Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Fantastic. And yeah, all of our kids leaders do a fantastic job each and every week. Well, we are in the final part, part four of our Break Free series, looking at the, uh, the book of Galatians. And uh, so we're, start, we're finishing today by looking at Galatians chapter 6. Now, ordinarily when it comes to writing a message, I kind of generally follow the same format, where like, I tell a funny or an embarrassing story about myself, um, I relate that to a problem that we all have, and then I show how that problem is addressed in, in Scripture. And uh, then I sort of say how Jesus is the only answer to that problem. Uh, then I try not to cry, say a prayer, and uh, Jackie buys me lunch and we go home. <laughs> but this week in Galatians 6, there's actually two uh, different uh, parts or two different things that, that Paul is wanting to address. And Ray would always say to me, you know, Josh, and when he was teaching me and training me how to preach, he would say, Josh, every illustration must have a point and every point must have an illustration. So seeing that there's two, uh, two things today, you're going to get two sermons in one. Is that all right? If you get two sermons in one? So, you know, we'll go out to lunch about 1.30 today, all being well. No, hopefully not. Um, but yeah, we're going to switch things around a bit and we're actually going to read the passage of Scripture first. Hopefully you can see the two uh, points that Paul is trying to make and then we'll address each one of those uh, individually. So if you're taking notes, I'll give you the two points right at the start. So he encourages us to uh, burn weeds and sow seeds. And then he encourages us to drop the weight so that we can have a clean slate. Does that sound good? All right, hopefully you're going to be able to see that from the script, straight from the Scripture as we read it out from Galatians, because Galatians is just such a, a beautiful, wonderful book. So Galatians 6, starting at verse 1. He says, Brothers and sisters, what if someone is caught in a sin? Then you who live by the Spirit should correct that person. But do it in a gentle way. But be careful. You could be tempted too. Carry one another's heavy loads. If you do, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are somebody when they are nobody, they are fooling themselves. Each person must test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves. They won't be comparing themselves to someone else. Each person should carry their own load. And then in verse 7, he says, don't be fooled. You can't outsmart God. A man gathers a crop from what he plants. Some people plant to please their desires controlled by sin. From these desires, they will harvest death. Others plant to please the Holy Spirit. And from the Spirit, they will harvest eternal life. Let us not become tired of doing good. At the right time, we will gather a crop if we don't give up. So when we can so when we can do good to everyone, let us do it. Let us try even harder to do good to the family of believers. And so seeing that we are switching things up, we're going to take the second part of that first and talk about the weeds, the the burning of the weeds and the sowing of the seeds. And some people, when they hear this principle in the Bible of sowing and reaping, sometimes they think, well, isn't that just the same as karma? But it's actually drastically, drastically different than karma. Because karma is this idea that somewhere in the universe, there is this impersonal force that if you're doing bad, it makes sure that you get more bad. But if you're doing good, it makes sure that you get more good. And so basically what it is doing is it is using fear to basically try to control 
and manipulate your behaviour. The other thing that karma does is it actually, to someone else, we say, well, they deserved that. But sowing and reaping, as the Bible uh, speaks about it, is totally different, where it says there is this natural course of things that happen, that farmers in the room will know that if you plant good seeds, you get a good crop, and if you planted weeds, the only thing that can grow, uh, because things reproduce after their kind, are weeds. And so Paul is encouraging us and the church at Galatia to make sure that they are planting good things in their life. And some of you might be going, Josh, that kind of sounds really good, but my experience has been a little bit different to that. My experience has been where I have reaped out of the bad things that other people have sown into my life. That other people have sown weeds and different things, other people have spoken negative words and done different things that has affected my life. So we don't just reap what we sow, sadly we reap what others have sown into us. And whilst that is that is true, it still doesn't stop this principle. It doesn't mean that this principle of sowing and reaping is, is wrong or incorrect. But what Paul is, is saying is that our response should be that if we see and know and understand that what we plant is going to be reproduced, then irrespective of what others may sow into us, we are going to be in, intentional and purposeful about what we are sowing. Because basically he's saying, if yesterday someone sowed seeds of negativity, sowed seeds of hopelessness, sowed all these seeds that today have grown up into weeds... If we focus on that, if we focus on the bad, then today we will actually plant weeds in our life. We'll plant the weeds of unforgiveness, of, of bitterness. And so Paul is saying, if you truly understand this principle of sowing and reaping, and you've experienced what weeds can do in your life, that others have sown in there, then we should be even more purposeful about sowing good things into our lives. Now, in farming, it can be easy to see at harvest time what is good seed and good crop and what the weeds are. But it's harder when you've just got the seeds. The seed doesn't always look like the tree that it comes from. Unless you know exactly where seed from a num from, it's very hard to discern one seed from another. And so that's why Paul is saying, I want you to know where these things are coming from. Because if you know where they're coming from, you know what the outcome is going to be. So he's basically saying every time that we decide to sow anything from the flesh, when we get anything from the flesh, it's going to grow into a weed. But any time and every time we sow from the Holy Spirit, it's going to produce a life-giving fruit, grain, things that are going to sustain us moving forward. So I think Paul uses that seeds and, and weeds analogy because most of the people at the time were farmers and they could understand that. But I think if we were trying to take it into a modern context, we could, something that 
does relate, I know there's a lot of farmers in the room and you know instantly you're thinking about, you know, sowing and reaping and it all makes sense to you. But something that um, applies to all of us in this room is finances, our, our money. And so I think if Paul was writing not to the church in Galatia, but to Lifehouse Church, he might have talked about um, how we use our finances. And even with finances, it can be hard to work out what is going to grow into weeds and what is going to be seeds that are going to produce that life-giving sustenance in the future. So with our finances, we could either buy things that will be what are called liabilities or things that will be assets. And then even within the assets group, things can either be depreciating assets, things that lose their value over time, or appreciating assets, things that actually gain in value over time. And so to try and sort of explain this visually, we're going to play a game called The Price is Right. Okay, come up. Drew Betcher. This is what happens when you sit in the front row. <laughs> okay, so we're going to have four items that you're going to have to put into order from things that are liabilities to things that are assets. So here we have a uh, Little Athletics Award for a Little Athletics uh, um, membership. So the cost of that per year is $253. We have a movie ticket, cost of $15. We have the deed to my house. I bought it 18 years ago for $272,000. And we have some food, because who wouldn't want to spend money on food? So we have some uh, lasagna, which you can uh, purchase afterwards for $8 uh, from Liberté. Okay, so basically, what you, so you understand what you have to do? So we're going to give you 15 seconds, and you need to put the one that is most of a liability this end and the one that is most of an asset at that end and then we're going to see how you go okay you can lift the chair or you can just shift the piece of the paper and the different things around okay can we have that music playing again and we're going to give him 15 seconds go call out where you think he should put stuff <laughs> What do you think? What do you, oh, he's swapping those two. Here we go. Okay, happy with your answer? Okay, give him a round of applause, you can grab your seat. Okay, so let's see. So Drew has put the, the movie ticket and then the, the food and the athletics voucher, and then the deed to the house. So, how are we going to measure this? Because obviously we know the value of everything now, but whether something is an asset or a liability is not based on the value that it is now, it's based on whether it goes up or down in value moving towards the future. So, let's kind of... Imagine that, you know, we're talking about this principle of sowing and reaping and, you know, generally over a season, you would sow something and then reap that following season. So in a year's time, let's look at where each of these things are going to be. So the movie, if you're anything like my wife, she forgets every movie that she's ever seen because she says, let's watch that movie. And I said, we've seen that already. 
So basically, in a year, that's kind of going to be forgotten. <laughs> now, the food in a year's time, well, probably at lunchtime, that, you know, not long after lunch, maybe uh, 8 to 12 hours after lunchtime, that actually becomes what's going to move that liability. <laughs> so I'm actually going to move that back to this side. And then the little athletics thing that, uh, you know, after a year of doing little athletics, you'd be fitter, you'd be healthier, and uh, so that's there as, as a bit of an asset. And then the deed to my house, well, as I said, I, I purchased it 18 years ago uh, for $272,000. And then at the start of last year, I had my house valued, and it was valued at $550,000. And then, if you've been following real estate, uh, in the last 12 months, uh, the, uh, the property price in Murray Bridge has actually gone up 22%, which means that this little piece of paper actually made more money than Belinda and I combined. Uh, so, yeah, so th that should definitely go there. So maybe, Drew, maybe you didn't quite get it right this time. But the other thing is, is that Paul, of course, is not just, even though he's talking about sowing and reaping and seeds and weeds, he's not talking about it in the natural sense, is he? He's talking about seeds that have been planted by the Holy Spirit. When does that harvest fully get? reaped. When do we understand that? Holy Spirit is at the second coming of Christ. It's at the end of time when Jesus comes back again. And so what happens, what is the test for things that are, whether they're going to pass through into eternity or not? You see, we saw that at Noah's flood time that God said that he would never again use water to bring judgment on people, that he's not using that at the end times, a global pandemic or even government, that what he's actually going to use, it says in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, each person's work will be shown for what it is. On Judgment Day, so that's what we're talking about, this final time of reaping, it will be brought to light. It will be put through fire. The fire will test how each person's work is. If the building doesn't burn up, God will give the builder a reward for their work. If the building burns up, the builder will lose everything. So it's the fire in eternity that actually tests everything. So, let's have a look here. If we're looking at the fire that tests everything in the light of eternity, this... Oh, is that going? Supposed to go. Oh, I had it working before. Is there a smoker in the house that wants to give me a cigarette lighter? <laughs> Anyone got one? Oh, here we go. Here we go. So, the little athletics took place on a Sunday and led the person the child away from Christ, and so that burnt up. The, the movie ticket, that uh, had, you know, sex and, and violence and different things in there, and so that devalued things that were eternal in the light of, of God. And even the house, oh, that's gone out. Let's see if I can get this going again. Oh, 
Belinda's happy that this is not burning. <laughs> Anyone got a cigarette lighter? No one wants to admit that they smoke in church. <laughs> so even the house, good investment, good investment of money, but even in the light of eternity, you're not going to take it with you. It's all going to burn. The food... just gets warmed up. <laughs> it's made better because this is not just, I mean, if it was a normal plate, yes, what we said before with the flushable liability, yes, it would get worse, but this is not any ordinary plate of food. This is a Liberté plate of food, <laughs> which means that that money goes and invests into people, precious people in Cambodia, that we are going to meet in eternity. You might never meet them now, but you're going to meet them in eternity. So, Drew, here is your... Fantastic. All right. I feel like the temple in the smoke and the everything like that. So, God is saying we need to test things in the light of eternity. And Mark spoke last week about end times and that so many Christians are fearful about things that are going to take place or not take place in the end times. And the fire of God that comes at the end. And fire is powerful, no doubt. Fire can be destructive. If it's a raging bushfire... It can destroy homes, it can destroy lives, it can destroy hope. As we've seen on Kangaroo Island and Cuddly Creek and those different places, it is a fearful thing when a fire is out of control. But when a fire is in a fireplace in the middle of winter, that same fire that was once destructive can actually be life-giving. And so too it is with our finances, so too it is with our words, so too it is with all these different things in our life that when they are used within the boundaries that God actually sets, they will actually give life or those same things can be used to destroy life. As I said, our finances can be used to bless others, to see others come to a knowledge of God. That if we are breaking free, which is what this series is all about, what Paul is encouraging that church in Galatia, we will see that we can break free of material possessions, we can break free of the fear around finances, around having enough, not having enough. But it works with our words, it works with our thoughts, with our actions. That if it's within the confines of God's word, it can bring blessing and life. But when it's left to its own destruction, it destroys life and life eternal. So this then leads us on to point two. If we've then identified those weeds, if we are seeing things in the... It only refines those good things that are within us. It only refines the things that the Holy Spirit has placed within us. Then we can move on. We're committed to sowing seeds and burning those weeds. Then we can learn to drop the weight so that we can get that clean slate. So Paul told us in Galatians 6, as we read at the beginning, that in order to break free, we must carry our own load. But then in Matthew 11.30, 30, 
Jesus actually says this. He says, For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give is light. So again, there are three possible weights and burdens. There's God's, there's ours, and then there must be the the world or the enemy. So God is saying in that passage of Scripture, Jesus is saying that His burden is light. So we don't want to shed that one, we want to keep the burden that God gives us. If we're looking at breaking free of the weights that hold us down, the ones that God gives is actually light. Our burdens, it says that we can bear. Again, if they're in line with God's will, with God's plan, if we're lining things up, if we're testing them just like that in the light of eternity, if we're testing them by fire, then our burdens we can bear. And so the heavy load that we need to break free from, that that Paul is encouraging us to break free from, is expectations from the world and condemnation from the enemy. That we all need to break free from these things. So I'm going to explain that in a bit of a non-conventional way. Um... But you're probably used to that by now, having set fire to different things on the stage here. I want to talk for a little moment about marketing and advertising. You see, marketing and advertising is purely designed to get you to buy stuff that you don't actually need. I mean, imagine a world without any advertising, without any marketing. Beautiful. But Alan, it is beautiful, but like, I mean, if you ran out of milk, how would you know that you need milk? You run out. (laughs) It's not based on advertising, it's based on need. And so advertisers then need to get in there and kind of say, but we want you to buy stuff not based on need, but based on desire or based on want. And so the way that they do that is just by constant repetition. They just repeat what they have over and over and over and over and over again until subconsciously they're using all this psychology to go, I need that. In our mind, it sort of switches over from don't need that to all of a sudden I need that. That is true that I definitely need that. And to prove how indoctrinated we are. We're going to have a look at uh, some logos. Can you guys come and grab these stools just so that we've got a bit more of a viewing platform to see some of these logos. I don't have a prize for you if you get these, but what I want you to do is when Peter flashes up a logo, I want you to say not only the product, but the motto, the catchphrase that goes with it. Okay, have we got the first one there ready, Peter? Okay, what's the catch, what's the catch cry? I'm loving it, yes. Okay, how did you know that? It wasn't up there. You've seen it, you've heard it so many times. All right, next one. Just do it, Nike, just do it, yes, okay. Again, you've heard this a hundred times, and so you see that symbol... All you needed was that symbol and your brain automatically goes to you know what it is and you know what it's saying. Okay, next one. Oh, yes, I heard it at the back there. Oh, what a feeling. Yep. And what's the brand? Toyota. There's nothing even about. It was just literally a person and you all knew Toyota, oh, what a feeling. You knew the catch cry. You saw the image and your brain went there because you've seen it and heard it so many times. Next one. Apple. Who remember? Peter, when I put this up, he said, they don't use that anymore. So this was in my memory, but not in, in his. He's a bit younger than me. Who knows what the catch cry is or was? 
No one knows. You're right, Peter. He's like, no one's going to get this one. <laughs> Think different. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. Okay, next one. Red Bull gives you wings. Yes. Very good. Okay, the next one is a, has a sound that goes along with it, and it's a little video. So we'll see how fast you can get this last one. If we're going to play it. Disney. How fast was that? I reckon that was less than a second. Was that you, Olivia? No? Who said it? Ah, Jamie Lee. You got Disney Plus at home? Yep. So you see that all the time. So we have all of these things that we see this image... And by association, if we've seen this image so many times, our brain can then go, this is what it is, and this is what it means, and then this is how it makes me feel. Because the aim is to give you a feeling. Oh, what a feeling. That's their aim. But it doesn't just work with... Products. If we can have that next picture up, the photo up, thanks. I wonder, obviously I couldn't put a photo of all of you up there, but I wonder what the world thinks when they see you. I wonder what you think when you see you. What motto, what catch cry, what comes up into your mind. I've got seven people that know me a little bit well and they've all got a motto or a catch cry. I ask them to come up with something that they think that I say that when they see that image it reminds them of something. So if those seven people can come up now with their mottos or their catch cries, just jump up on the stage. We're going to get you to come up in a line here. If you can hold up your... Okay. So I'll just go through these. Okay, form follows function. I say this to Belinda all the time because she wants to buy pretty things that do nothing. (laughs) So I have to say that to her quite often. So that was, she came out with that a little bit too fast. Okay, here we have, we know that we have an enemy. For those that are here at the 9.15 prayer time, we'll know that I do say that a lot, that we pray over this service at 9.15 every time before we meet. If you want to join us for that, you're most welcome to. But one of the things that we're reminded of is that there's not just uh, my voice going on in your head right now, that there is an enemy, and so we try and pray against that and combat that in that 915 prayer meeting so that you can hear from the Holy Spirit um, and, uh, yeah, receive from Him. Jody's got the why behind the what. And again, in a lot of our strategy meetings and different things, I say that all the time because I'm not just interested in what we do, I'm interested in why we do it. So I do say that a lot. Tash was first off the ranks with this one because everyone knows I say this a lot. We don't have to, we get to. So I say that kind of all the time uh, because I want us as a church to not feel compelled. I'm not not wanting you with all that talk with money before and we've just launched the campaign. Please know my heart. Those that know me will know that I'm not wanting to compel anyone to do anything. I want you to give out of the desire of your heart. I want you to see that we get to do this, that we get to do this. This next one, Michaela has Hello Gorgie. Now, I don't necessarily say that to her, I say that to Belinda, and so because Michaela is one of our daughters, she hears me say that just about every day when I get home. I say, hello, Gorgie, because she's gorgeous. It's Gorgie short for gorgeous. (laughs) So she hears me say that a lot. Okay, Mark has got, if it makes me sick, it must be bad. Maybe I'll tackle this one with... 
the next one as well because these two are food-related ones. So this one is, if your name is not on it, it's mine. <laughs> so Walter still has a little bit of that bitterness and unforgiveness that I was talking about. He's sown some seeds that, that you know, weeds that need to be pulled up because last year I ate his butter chicken <laughs> out of the fridge. And so, but I said, well... If, his name, if your name's not on it, it's, it's mine. And in my defence, Jackie did say that she was going to cook me butter chicken that week and leave it in the fridge. And then I went to the fridge and saw butter chicken, so I thought it was mine, and so I ate it. So I claim innocence with that one. <laughs> but then everyone knows that I kind of, I hate waste, and so I will eat just about anything to avoid waste. And so... Uh, but I have a cast iron stomach, so I rarely get sick. But I have gotten ill a couple of times from eating wrong things. And so I do say, if it makes me sick, it must be bad. So these are some mottos or phrases that, again, when people think of me, these are some of the things that they think of. So this is where their brain goes, this is where the language starts to go. So if they had to come up with a motto that they associate with me, this is some of their things. And that's kind of a weight that we can bear. I can, I can bear that Walter thinks that about me, just because everyone else is saying, you know, we're amongst Christian, you know, brothers and sisters, and so that's, you know, that's really good. Okay, if you can flick to the black one. So now these are things that have been said over me by the world. I was talking about that we need to shed those weights. That these, these are some of the things that the world has said over me that has become my motto and would stay as my motto if I let it. So this one, you're a very naughty boy. So that was my reception teacher. So she said, once you finish your colouring in class, you can go out to recess. So I just went and ran out onto the playground and I was just about to come down the slide when she called out across the whole school when I was up the top of the slide so she had to yell it from the door of the classroom. Then, Josh, you are a very naughty boy. And so then... By association, the feeling that I get is I'm bad. And that'll play over and over again in my head if I let it. Why do you just have to be so difficult all the time? So that was something my dad said. I love my dad, my dad loves me, but I was a bit of a stubborn child at times. And so in one of his moments of exasperation, he said, why do you have to be so difficult all the time? And so then the feeling that came and was associated with that is, I'm not good enough. And so then that played in my head. You're just a wuss. This was said to me by a boy by the name of Lauren, believe it or not, of all things, who wanted to pick a fight with me but I refused to fight him. And so, I wasn't teasing him about his name. <laughs> but in that moment when I refused to fight and he called me a wuss, it made me feel that I was weak. And if we're weak, that also equals that we're stuck. So again, this is a motto that can play over and over in my head. The only one missing out is you. This was my mum said this to me when I was four. And again, I was a stubborn uh, little boy. And she wanted me to do something and I didn't want to do it. And so she said, we're all going into this shop for ice cream. And you can come in if you agree to follow what we're saying and doing. But if not, you can wait outside. So I stood outside. And I stood outside and I stood outside and I let them eat their ice cream. And she came out and she said, the only one missing out is you. And that plays over and over in my head. And it says, I'm left out. My brothers were inside having ice cream. I'm left out. 
even though she was probably justified, even though she was trying to be a good mum, and she is a great mum, still the feeling that I get is I'm left out. This one was just a few weeks ago. I'm glad you're bleeding, you deserve it. Someone came and assaulted me and hit me and I was bleeding and as I was uh, making sure that they were, they were going and doing different stuff, they could see the blood dripping down from my face and they said, I'm glad that you're bleeding, you deserve it. And this was someone that I had tried to help in the past. And so I felt like that in that moment that I had failed. And so that's something that plays on in my mind. The next one is, I'm very disappointed in you. And this was a co-worker who, not here, um, but uh, elsewhere, and uh, this particular person had done the wrong thing. And so I went to them, I approached them and I said, look, you've, you've done the wrong thing here, you need to go and confess to the boss what has happened and just take whatever, whatever comes. And they said, well, I'm not doing it, I'm keeping this in the dark, I'm not going to do it. And I said, well, if you don't, I will. I will still go to the boss and uh, tell them what has been going on. And so they refused to, so I went to the boss and then they came and they said over me, I am disappointed. That was the feeling that played. And this last one is thunder thighs. So again, I don't know, Mark might know this guy. So Ben Barnett said this to me in year 11. So obviously you can tell I don't have the skinniest of legs. I'm not, you know. And so he called me thunder thighs in the schoolyard and he said that everyone was saying that about me behind my back. And so then the feeling that I got was I'm fat, which equals I'm unlovable. And what you need to realise is that these are mine, or just some of mine, but if we did this for you, you would all have things like this. Things that when you see yourself, it's like that motto, it's like that, it's like that image, when we saw that Nike swoosh, we, we knew by association, because we've seen that so many times, we go to that feeling. And all of us have this, where we see something, we hear something, like we heard that Disney tune, and automatically, the motto starts to play. The feeling starts to come up. I'm bad, I'm not good enough, I'm stuck, I'm left out, I failed, I'm hopeless, I'm unlovable, whatever it is for you. And so what Paul is saying to the Galatians is that this weight is too much for you to bear. It's too much for me to bear. I can't bear to have those things playing in my mind day after day after day and neither can you. So he says you need to shed that weight. You need to shed that weight and follow after me. So we can go to the next one. This is what the Bible says about us. The scripture verses here, we don't have time to go through all these, but basically the essence of these scriptures is that I am never alone. I am saved and redeemed. Joy, I have free. I am loved. I am a child. That this is, I have joy. I have everything that I need. That this is what the scriptures want us to know. That this is what should be played over and over and over again in our lives. You see, so many times what happens is people try Christianity. They come to church once a month. If I can have you four flip back to your black one. 
And maybe, Walter, you flip back to the white one, if you still got the white one there. So we come to church once a month and we go, I've tried Christianity and it doesn't work. I'm still having that tape play. I still feel like this. And so because I feel like this, because this, yeah, there's a little bit of this in my life, but still the overwhelming thoughts in my head is this. So obviously Christianity doesn't work. But it's not that Christianity doesn't work. It's that we haven't allowed the voice of God to be loud enough. We haven't put it on repeat enough in our lives so that it becomes our default motto that we claim over and over again. You can't just tick the box at the start of the day and say, I've done my devotions and that's it. No, we need to live this out. This needs to be ringing in our head. When you're in the middle of that pain, when you're in the middle of that thing, when those, when those thoughts and feelings and emotions start to come up, you need to claim the promises of God over your life and shed that weight and claim what is true over you. That, that is what the Bible is saying. That is what Paul is saying. You see, because it's like this becomes the jury over our life. That it's like we're in that court on Judgment Day. It's called Judgment Day because we all have a Judgment Day. And it's like there are these jurors that are saying different stuff over us day after day after day. But I don't know if you know this, but legally, when you're selecting the jury, if there is someone that is going to be biased against you in any way, maybe they're going to be racist, maybe they're going to be sexist, maybe they just have a different opinion that is going to make them not think or do things in the, you know, in the way that is in line with the way that you live your life, you are legally allowed to dismiss that juror. And what I want to say to so many of you today is you have a legal right. This is what Paul is saying to the Galatian church. This is what we need to understand. I said that I wasn't going to cry. I don't know who I am. But I'm so passionate about this, that you have a legal right to dismiss the jury that is against you. And what Paul is saying is, the world and the enemy are always going to be against you. So you have a legal right to dismiss them. So you four can go and sit down. <laughs> because the thing is, that we need to understand, that just like as we go through life, when we see things, when we hear things, it triggers that memory, it triggers that emotion, it triggers that feeling. What we need to understand is that when we are a child of God, that when God looks at us, He sees a family resemblance. That when God looks at us now, that when we have made that decision to become a child of God, that He looks at us and He sees a family resemblance and it reminds Him of Jesus. You remind Him of Jesus. You remind Him of the cross and the price that He paid and the love that He gave. And when we know and understand that, it will allow us all to break free from the thoughts and the feelings that we have to pull back. It will allow us to break free of the feeling that we're not good enough, that we don't want to be seen, that we, don't want to, that we need to live in the darkness, that we need to live in the shadows. That when this is the recurring voice in our head, it will change 
everything. When we see and know and understand that when God looks at us, He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus in you. Would you stand and we're going to pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for your overwhelming love for us. I want to thank you that right now in this room there are so many broken and hurting people that have been allowing those negative mottos to play over and over in their head. Father, right now, we cast those things aside. We shed the weight of the world. Lord, let your voice be the loudest voice in our ear today. Let your Holy Spirit speak to each and every one of us right now here in this room. Because we know that the Holy Spirit it's not going to sow weeds, but it's going to sow seeds that are going to reap life and life eternal. Father, we thank you. I, I thank you so much that when you look at me, you don't see that black. You don't see the hurt. You don't... You don't, you don't see the insecurity. You see Jesus. Did I remind you of Jesus and his finished work on the cross? So, Father, we want to be a church. We want to be a people that commit to burning up all the weeds in our life as we look forward towards that day when the fire comes and burns up every weed, every wrong thought. Lord, we don't despise that day. Lord, we look forward to that day, to thinking of a future without any weeds in our life. Lord, help us to shed the weight of that insecurity, that fear, that doubt that has kept us down and kept us buried. Lord, help us to receive you, all that you are and all that you have for us. Come and speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, let's worship. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.